first like phase of grief was definitely anger. Hello friends, how are you? I am sitting here with my cup of coffee in my Christmas mug. My dog just flopped his ears and is scratching if you can hear him. Um, I'm in Christmas pajamas because I love Christmas. And I really want to hear your thoughts on this conversation. I felt kind of strange about it. And I think it's because I'm generally triggered by tough love. I tend to lead with self-compassion and I really wish that for people who are grieving that you would have compassion for yourself. So you might hear in this conversation my voice getting a little bit tense and us kind of trying to find a common ground while we're talking about grief. And yeah, I just wanted you guys to know that that's, that's a conversation that is open here on our side of the internet. Like how do you balance self-compassion and allowing yourself to feel while also giving yourself permission to keep going. And yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. You can DM us, you can comment on our reel coming up here. But I also just wanted to always remind you to subscribe, um, leave us a five-star review if you've connected with us. You don't have to leave a comment, but if you do, I love reading them. I've also linked our Patreon page on our Instagram. Um, This podcast is free for you to listen to, but it's not free for us to produce. So I really hope that you would check that out. And without further ado, let's get into it. So glad. Um, so yeah, are great. they are. So, what was your podcast called? So uh, it was called Life After Losing Mom. Um, so it's still up on Spotify. I had it back up in like 2019. Um, kind of like you know, it was for like women that had lost a mom, and it just became really heavy, like I had said. Um, but it is still up, and I just put it up there for you know the world to see, and people still find me through that. Um, I want to start a new one. I just haven't gotten around to it hopefully next year that's my goal but yeah so what brought you to podcasting why a podcast yeah so I originally actually hired my first business coach um god what was it 2018 or 2019 she was a girl I went to college with and I kind of knew that I wanted to do grief work I just didn't know how Mm -hmm. um and podcasting just became really popular like, yeah. you know, two or three years ago and, and especially in that industry. And, you know, I didn't really want to blog. I wanted something where I could like speak, where people could really hear, you know, the emotion in your voice. Mm-hmm. So my business coach was like, just try podcasting. And I loved it. So I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yep, um, kind of by chance. Yeah. So what brought you to our page? Like what made you want to share? I was like, literally... <laughs> When I looked at how to grieve, I was searching for like grief accounts on Instagram or something Mm -hmm. like that. And then I saw the colors and I was like, ooh, I love rainbow. (laughs) And the branding was just so cute. And I was like, ooh, a grief podcaster, like somebody in the like grief world that I've have not met. Like, let's freaking connect. So then I was like, I'm going to shoot my shot. (laughs) And the universe was like, hello, you have a friend with curly hair. Yes. (laughs) Love my curly haired sisters or brothers, anybody. (laughs) Friends. (laughs) These and thems. (laughs) Yep. Curly haired folks. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I did the branding myself. I specifically wanted something that was not your usual grief branding because everything's kind of like the beach scene and blue and that's amazing the that you did that yourself <laughs> thank you <laughs> like and it's fun to like be creative yeah yeah it is I love it um and it definitely fits your personality just from like talking to you and it's like oh. <laughs> thank you I appreciate that you want to be authentic you know yeah so people will realize that and yeah you're authentic so going through your page, I see that you have a lot of um, just like little talks, I guess, that you have on, on there. And yeah, I wanted to ask like what brought you to to doing that and, and specifically grief work because you said you wanted to do grief work. 
Um, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about how you arrived there. Yeah. So I guess circle back, it all started for me really. Um, I mean, my parents divorced when I was 14. So I guess that was kind of, you know, grieving that marriage, but I really, you know, didn't really understand what grief was until then. My mom died actually nine years ago in April. So I was mm-hmm. 18 and it was very unexpected. I was a senior in high school and I was like, oh my gosh, like, what is this grief thing? What is death? Like what? And, you know, obviously grief can be different things to different people, right? Yeah. But it's merely just an emotional reaction to loss. And that was the biggest type of loss that I had ever experienced. And I was just literally knocked flat on my face (laughs) trying to figure out, you know, this new life that I basically have to you know, manage. Um, so I would say that would be my first, like, you know, I never really knew that I wanted to do grief work, but like, you know, immediately, mm-hmm. um, but I was, you know, I was senior in high school and then I went to college. So then I was, you know, trying to figure out what do I want to do? Like as a profession, like, you know, I always kind of, that's when, you know, my mental health issues really started mm-hmm. and I definitely, wanted to kind of do something like that career-wise not even career-wise just as like a part of my life because I don't like the term career but anyways yeah (laughs) just I wanted to be involved with the grief community mental health community somehow and then October of my senior my no my junior year of college so it was like two and a half years after my mom died my mom's mom died and that's when it all just kind of came full circle I was like, okay, like I literally, before I went to college, I hadn't met anyone that had ever lost a parent Mm. or anyone close to them. And in those four years, I had just been blessed with such a great community of just like, I would would say, I guess, like-minded people, if that makes any sense. Um, You know, people struggling with mental health issues, people that had, you know, lost people really close to them. And my school was really great. And, you know, my counselor on campus was really great and it just really encouraged me to like in that moment like over those four years I really was able to cultivate healthy coping mechanisms Hmm. and I didn't realize how lucky I was until you know two years I could say out of college where I was like wow like I'm really glad I had these resources that were pretty much like free uh, I was other than paid for college mm-hmm. but like I had those resources readily available to manage grief and you know I thought about you know I never really hit rock bottom in college mm-hmm. I kind of hit rock bottom when I was out of school mm-hmm. but I already had those healthy coping mechanisms so it wasn't terrible it was just like a really like it was easy for me to get out of if that makes sense yeah and, so share yeah, a little so bit more about those healthy coping mechanisms. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, it was, you know, I'm the kind of person where like, it wasn't just, you know, going to a therapist and talking about them, talking about my problems mm-hmm. or writing about my problems. It was more so like I needed a creative outlet. I've always been a creative person. Um, you know, where journaling sometimes helped, but it just, there was never anything that helped on a consistent basis. So Unfortunately, I did have to get on antidepressants for a little bit mm-hmm. just to develop those healthy coping me- mechanisms. No um, shame. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a, a story for another day and everybody yeah. has their opinions about them. But I definitely was thankful that I did because there's no way I would have been able to be a functional human being without them. Mm-hmm. But um, I really found a love for like nature. And whenever I was just really just like, my emotions just felt out of control and my days just felt out of control. And I really just literally just could not stop crying. I would just take my camera. Um, there was like a little spot on campus where we had like, we had a lake on campus in my mm-hmm. college and I would just go and sit and I would just cry until I couldn't cry. And then eventually you know, the tears would go away. And I just started kind of just like taking pictures of my surroundings mm. and really just kind of focusing on the present moment. It's like, how am I feeling right now? Just really thinking like, you know, the world is still here. Like my life is still here. I'm still, you know, able 
to see like the beauty around me. And then I got into songwriting and that really helped. Um, just finding just a different way to really get out your emotions. And then I got (laughs) obviously exercise, Um, (laughs) but like yoga was helpful, but I was into like physical exercise. So I started to like run a lot and I don't run now. I turn more towards like boxing and that sort of thing now. Mm -hmm. Um, but especially with really intense emotions, like anger, I found like those healthy coping mechanisms, not to hold them in. Like let's find a way to like release them. So hopefully that kind of answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, it, it completely answers my question. Um, I, how do you now like walk people through their own grief? Cause you offer that, right? Like on your page, you kind of talk to women who have lost their mothers. Um, yeah. So now I actually don't focus on women that have lost their mothers, just kind of, you know, and maybe I'll get to men, but right now my heart is just set on helping women. Mm-hmm. Um, but just really helping them find relief from grief. I know it sounds kind of silly and cliche, but I think a lot of times people don't realize how toxic it can literally be. Mm-hmm. Like they think that like just suffering is normal mm-hmm. and that's just, Oh, that's just my life. That's just a life of a griever. You know, I'm never going to be happy. And my, that breaks my heart hearing that because like, I love my life and I'm so blessed. And to be able to say that almost nine years after the worst day of my life is like, a godsend, mm, honestly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now definitely. So the way that I, I guess I would say I would definitely help them in now, I'm um, just really kind of reframing their thoughts around grief. If I had to come up with a whole, you know, big picture type thing, I definitely offer like customized services. I'm working on actually a one-on-one program right now. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like a self-paced course, which is more modules and, mm-hmm. you know, like video based, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and that grief journal that I mentioned to you, which I will send you that, which I, it's kind of funny that I say that I didn't like journaling and I created that. But anyways, <laughs> um, it's crazy when you find something that you like and you're like, oh my gosh, this works. But yeah. Yeah. So sorry. Let's let me use your question. Um, but just really, like I said, reframing their thoughts around grief and understanding that like things are the way they are, but they won't be like that forever. And just really learning that, like, at the end of the day, you have a choice and you can choose to be happy or you can choose to be sad. And ultimately, like, you're going to get to the point where you're just happy. You don't have to try. Mm. And that's just, like, the biggest encouragement that I could tell somebody that doesn't know how to grieve. Like, you will figure it out. You will get to the point where you will love your life. And, like, that's just my biggest hope and dream for anybody. Yeah. I mean, have you had any moments where you personally feel like you were unable to choose happiness? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's because I didn't, it's not that I didn't want to be happy, is that like I wanted to be selfish. Like I didn't want to be happy without my mom, right? Like I Mm. didn't want to think of being happy without that facet in my life. But that's just when I was in like that really bad rut and like I was in rock bottom and I was like, you know, eventually when I realized that I was like, I'm choosing to like be in this rut, I'm choosing Mm -hmm. to like be a Debbie Downer. And after like a month of it, I was like, you know, I'm tired of feeling this way. Mm. And something just clicked. I don't know exactly what interaction it was or any crazy thing like that, but just clicked. Yeah. So, I I mean, it seems more so less that grief and happiness were a choice and more so that you accepted your present state, like your life now. Yeah, very much so. And it took me a long time to accept that. Like it, like to really, really truly accept it. Like I can say, yes, my mom died. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, I can say that until I believe it. But, like, we're busy people. Like, mm-hmm. we go on with that about our lives and we don't think about it. Like, I don't think about my mom every day. I don't think every day how my mom died. Like, even, like, with the holidays and big, you know, 
like milestones. Like I know that Mm -hmm. there's like a void, but eventually I just kind of started to depend on myself and just realized that like, this is my life. And I think it was, I think it was one year. My mom's birthday is like, so my mom's birthday was actually yesterday. Um, Mm -hmm. So it usually falls around Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And I think it was the fourth year going like the fourth whole year that she passed and her birthday was on Thanksgiving. I don't exactly remember what year it was. Mm -hmm. And it was that moment. And I was like, where I really truly accepted it. Like, this is my life. This is the state. Like, She's not coming back. And I used to have these vivid dreams that, like, my mom fake died. Like, it was so weird. Hmm. And, you know, everyone says, like, you know, there's, like, stages of grief or you're just in denial and, like, that sort of thing. And I was just like, no. Like, and some people don't really, I feel like, ever get to that point. And that's really sad. Get to acceptance? Yes, I think so. Hmm. true physical and I think with acceptance comes freedom tell it say more in the sense of like yes I've accepted this so I've found freedom from any you know anything that this lack of acceptance has caused me right like Mm -hmm. this freedom from like any labels or any you know I'm trying to think of a good example so if I just would let me just like use alcohol as an example right like I accepted the fact that I was an alcoholic and I got sober and then I found freedom in that because I don't have to use that to define me anymore I don't have to use the fact that my mom died as a way to define me like I can just be me I don't have to be the girl who's lost her mom right Mm -hmm. and that's where I was like it's so easy to label yourself Mm -hmm. and for other people to label you and like I just wanted to be myself. Yeah. Okay. So walk me through a timeline, right? Because you have accepted it. You're kind of on the other side now. You don't really think about your mom every day. But what was it like when you were 18 and you found out she had passed? Oh, man. I think about that a lot, which is kind of funny. Well, a lot, but... You gotta look back on where you started, see how far you've come, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really think I understood. Like I knew, but like a timeline of like how I reacted. Yeah, a timeline of your grief. Yeah. Oh, I've never thought about it that way. Um, I would say my first like phase of grief was definitely anger. Um. I was angry for a while. When I say a while, probably a month or two. Um, Because she died in April and I graduated high school in June. So pretty much up until June. I definitely took the summer to just try and not think about my life to the best of my ability. Like, Mm -hmm. just went out with my friends and just tried to be a normal Mm 18-year-old. Yeah, definitely... Definitely anger. I never really experienced anger other times in my grief. It was, that was really the only time that was prevalent. What were you angry about? I was angry that, you know, she chose alcohol over us and that she chose to drink and drive and that it ultimately took her life. And, you know, I was angry that I wasn't, able to like see at I would say see her before she died but I saw her the the day before Mm -hmm. um I was angry that I didn't know she was going to die and that I wasn't able to get you know any closure with anything because I was upset with her the night before Mm um really angry that she had to be taken the way that she was just about the situation I was mad at myself for not knowing she had a problem because I thought that I could help um those are the big things. Do you have any siblings? I do. My brother is about four years older than me. So he was okay. 21 at the time. So he wasn't home? No, nope, he was out at college. Mm. Yeah, that's hard. And then I was mad at him because he proceeded to get drunk for like five days straight. Mm. But 
you know, everyone grew differently. So, <laughs> yeah. So after that, so you, you're angry, you decide to just not think about it, put it down. You're hanging out with your friends and you're heading into college at this point. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I moved, my hometown was about an hour and a half away. Um, from where I went to college. So my mom died. I technically moved in with like my grandma, which is my mom's mom, when I was mm-hmm. still in high school. And then my dad actually lived in the city where I went to college. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was local when I was in school. Um, the summer, honestly, after my mom died was really a blur. I really don't remember much or how I acted. <laughs> um, when I got to college, like right when I first started, I was just sad. Mm-hmm. Like. I literally had never been sad in my life. Like, I just felt bad for myself. Like, it was just constant pity party. And, you know, sad that, like, I cried a lot. Because when I I get angry, I don't really cry. Um, I mean, maybe I did back, you know, right when she first died. I don't really remember. But now I don't. um, Yeah, when I got got to college first, I cried a lot. Um, and then I started to meet other people that had lost parents. Um, and I was so sad. I didn't really cry as much. I just kind of leaned on them. Um, yeah. and I just kind of, that was also a sense of relief. So I guess my second, yeah. Second part of the timeline was sadness. And you felt relief because you had friends to lean on? Yeah, like I just felt like I wasn't alone. Mm. Like I and you know, it's really like when I got to school, I was very open about the fact that my mom died. Like that was not a secret. Mm-hmm. That was very much so that kind of personal, like I you may as well have tattooed it on my forehead. Like, <laughs> and I didn't feel bad about it. Like and it probably like scared people off, but I wanted people to know that because I wasn't you know I wasn't myself I didn't know who I was I barely knew who I was before my mom died as a freaking 18 year old like what 18 year old has any sense of identity not me (laughs) um very few yeah (laughs) Uh, after the sadness and then you know I started to meet other girls because I went to an all-women's college Mm -hmm. um so when I started to meet other classmates that had you know, been kind of sort of part of that same club. I just felt like I wasn't an outsider, like Mm -hmm. that people, that there were people in the world who understood what it was like to be lost and to have all these emotions at once. Yeah, It was so weird. I'd never experienced so many emotions at once in my entire life. Like I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to process them. Hmm. Yeah. That made me feel. I'm sorry. You can continue. (laughs) No, that's okay. It just it made me feel like I wasn't alone. Everybody needs your people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting that I don't want to say that you have negative feelings because that's not, I don't want to put words in your mouth and that's not necessarily what I took from it. But towards denial, like you feel like it's not something that you went through, right? Is that what you... Denial is not something I went through. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, it really wasn't. Like, I think I accepted it pretty quickly. Um, what define denial? Like, how did what does it feel? What is denial to you? Personally, denial is just like refusing the truth. Like, mm. you don't you basically don't admit the truth to yourself. Hmm. So, I mean, there definitely were times where I didn't admit it to myself, but just the first few days really felt like denial because Mm -hmm. it was like she was here one second and she was gone the next. Yeah. Because she was drinking and driving and bad and even though she had a problem. So like, that's why I was like, I'm in denial. I was like, no, like there's no way this is possible. Hmm. But once life changed, like once my life changed and I started to get on with my life, like I didn't really experience that anymore because I didn't want to refuse to accept the truth because I knew mm-hmm. 
that was not in my best interest. Yeah. Um, I recently, or I'm still reading through it. I'm reading um, On Grief and Grieving by Elizabeth Cooper Ross and David Kessler. Um, yeah, I've heard that book. I haven't read it, but. Yeah, they kind of talk about denial in a way that I hadn't really thought about it. And in, in just like your body being kind in denying certain things so that you can survive them. Because if you were to feel the weight of every emotion associated with losing someone all at once, you wouldn't survive. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting because, I don't know, I feel like your perspective is a little bit different. Like like you said, um, it wasn't in your best interest. I want to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, and I guess the way that, let me rephrase that. So it wasn't in my best interest to deny that my mom had died, right? Like, mm-hmm. why would I tell myself something that isn't true? Like, I knew it was true. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, you know, there was a fine line between wishing that she was there and saying, my mom's not dead. Like, this sounds dumb, but I literally spoke it into existence. Like, I labeled myself as the girl who mom died in college so much that I couldn't have been in denial of that said thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't even think I was in denial of some of my feelings for sure. Like, I was just kind of in denial about the fact that I never thought that's how my life would end up. Mm. In the sense of like, I never, like I was in denial, like I can't believe this is my life. Like I was in denial of that because who thinks that that's going to happen? Right. Yeah, we don't ever expect that. that. Does that answer your question kind of? Yeah, a little bit. I think, I don't know. I just feel like denial in and of itself it holds the both and, right? Like, you know that your mom died and that's why you're like questioning your life. Like, even, even though you're, you're saying like, oh, I, I, I can't believe this is true. But at the same time, you do know it's true because you wouldn't be saying, I can't believe this is true. You know, like it holds both things. Yeah. Um, even for good things too. Yeah. Like, and sometimes I can be in denial. I'm like, I think I get in denial of like my, like the decisions that I make. I'm like, did mm. I just do that? Like, did I really let that happen? Did I really let that get bad? Like, mm. am I really like happy? Like not even am I really happy? It's almost kind of like a type of questioning, but yeah. it's like, wow, like how is my life this good? Like, how am I actually happy? Sometimes I'm in denial of the fact that like, I'm actually living my best life mm-hmm. yeah it's like Brene Brown talks about foreboding yep. joy yep how you're like living and you're happy and you're like oh my gosh at any moment a car can just hit us while mm-hmm. we're driving and you're just kind of waiting for the next bad thing to happen so you keep pushing joy away that's a really good I mean yeah she's right it's a really good point and it's like I was in an awe that I could like I was in now that I could be happy and feel joy after going through something so traumatic. I was in the now that this was possible. And then when it is, you're kind of like awestruck. Is that the word? Maybe. You're kind of at all. You're kind Surprised. of all. <laughs> That one. We'll just say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it basically took you the four years of college. For the most part, yeah. To really. To process kind of just to really understand Mm. what life was like without the two most important women in it. Yeah. Definitely was not easier once I got out of college, but at that point, I think I had experienced every emotion that I still experience to this day. Can grieving for the past as well as the future that you didn't get do you think it helps you understand loss in life a little better it definitely does in what ways in the way of like I grieve for the past that I lost like Mm -hmm. I grieve for not even my childhood because I wasn't a child but 
for like my mom not being at my high school graduation yeah, or, you know, my college graduation or getting my class ring or any sort of big event like that. It definitely just puts life into perspective that like so many people don't get this. Mm-hmm. And like, that's just not even, I'm not even gonna say the handout was dealt, but like, that's just my life. And like, the quicker that I accepted that, I don't even want to say quicker and easier it was, but the more I made the conscious effort to accept that, mm-hmm. the more at peace I felt. Yeah. Do you think it was like, yeah, so I guess that's what you meant by saying that it was a daily choice, right? Like you, yeah. every time you want to believe that your life could be different, you have to look at what your life is now. Yeah, exactly. At like, whenever I start to grieve for the past and I start to be like, well, you know, I wish you could have been there this. And I'm like, no, like, uh, I got to look at where I'm at now, how far I've come. Like the women that have been placed in my life that are now role models, like people who have living parents never get that and like never get people who love them so much regardless of you know family or blood or any sort of thing like that and I have so many women that I can turn to and whenever I start to grieve the past I just really cling to the relationships that I have with them mm-hmm. because they're what keep me going whenever I miss my mom yeah I mean I would disagree that people with living parents never get that because that's who I lost yeah well I think I said that wrong like sometimes they don't like it, it's all hypothetical but like it's that you're lucky that you have other people yeah yeah I didn't have that before my mom died yeah and I realized that like how important those relationships are yeah and I was like I just got the word mom out of my head like that kind of sounds dumb but I, yeah I was like just just like eventually it just kind of got to the point where like it just came up a conversation right mm-hmm. like you know that things gonna come up a conversation like yeah Oprah was like well you know where are you from where does your dad live where does your mom live and I'm just like oh like my mom died when I was 18 like my dad lives in so and so I live here like just keep on talking yeah <laughs> but nobody else really asks hmm. at least from what I've experienced and I got to the point where I don't it's not that I don't talk about it, but I don't elaborate on it. I don't prolong the conversation like I did mm-hmm. early in my grief. Why do you think that is? Like, why did I do that? Or why do you not prolong it? It just depends on who it's with. Like, there's mm-hmm. certain, like, obviously, like, I'll talk to, like, my partner about it. But mm-hmm. it's awkward for people. I don't need, sometimes I don't even know how to, like, mm-hmm. I, I still don't know how to, like, be there for somebody who's crying like Mm. and I cry all the time so I just I don't want to put anyone in that situation because then if it's awkward for them then it's even awkward for me you know yeah it makes sense so I guess I'm just cautious about who I share things with yeah that makes sense do you like why do you think it is that people can't handle those conversations Cause they never experienced it. It's just like, well, I wouldn't know what to say. Like before I had lost my mom, if somebody would have, you know, if my best friend would have came up to me and the same thing would have happened to her, I wouldn't have known what to do. Yeah. And I think it's just, it honestly, and this is why I love that you talk about like grief and like death and like mental health and that sort of thing, because mm-hmm. like society doesn't talk about that. At least yeah. from what I've noticed, like, we got to be change makers. We have to like normalize it. I don't even like the word normal, but. Well, it's natural. Everyone dies. Yeah. Everyone will lose someone they love. Everyone will People don't talk about it. It's such a frowned upon thing in society. And I'm like, that's why people don't know. That's why those conversations are awkward for people. Mm -hmm. Like, if somebody's on antidepressants or like whatever, like the mental health conversation, that's why it's awkward for people because it's just not so. 
I was like, I'm going to talk about it. I talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I usually on my Instagram is where I yeah. <laughs> say that I talk about it. But <laughs> So um, tell us a little bit more about what led you to start antidepressants. Um, it's kind of funny, but um, I turned 21. So my mom's mom died October of 2020. Oh, well, wait, no, not 2020. Oh, my gosh, sorry. 2015. Okay. Um, and then January of 2016. So two months later, mm-hmm. I turned 21 and I literally, I don't even remember my 21st birthday. I was living off campus and me and my roommates. Anyways, I was hungover and I was driving somewhere and I was like, this is the worst feeling I've ever experienced in my entire life. And I called my aunt, my mom's sister at the time. And I was like, you know, I just, I just got to figure this out. And like that semester of school was just really, really hard. Like my grades were just terrible. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just a compilation of everything. Like, honestly, my world just kind of came crashing down. Like it was winter, like nothing was going on on campus. It was freaking cold. And I was skipping class because I want to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And that's when I kind of realized like, I got to get some help. Like, I got to get on something to make me function. And then I can develop. Because I was trying so hard to get those healthy coping mechanisms. Yeah. But I just couldn't. Like, I couldn't get out of bed. Hmm. And do you think it was related to, yeah, your grandmother's passing and your, yeah, everything being kind of difficult at the same time? Yeah, I think it was a little bit everything. And like, I was a junior in college. Junior year is the hardest year. And like, I was not very smart and had took all my hard classes that semester. Yeah. I wouldn't say all, but most of them. Like, I, why I decided to not take any electives, basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> that semester is, I will never understand. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, there just there wasn't much going on in the winter, and I think I was just like I just had no motivation. Like I was never an unmotivated person by any mm-hmm. means, but it was just like it's cold, and you know, typical winters in North Carolina, cold and rainy. Mm-hmm. It gets dark at five o'clock. Yep. Like I was like I, all I want to do is be warm and stay in bed. So I would literally just I would go to class. I would do my homework. I think I was working at the time. Um, I would work, and I by then I was I was waiting tables. So I was barely even working at that point, and I would just get a ball of wine and just drink. That's all I would do because what else are you supposed to do in college? Hmm. So I'd like my lack of motivation was definitely, I would say, the catalyst to like, it's just tired all the time because that was a sign of like depression. Is like, like pure exhaustion no matter what I did. Yeah, I was like, I can't sleep. <laughs> like, nobody can sleep sixteen hours a day and be tired. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I could do that. I was probably sleeping twelve hours a night every night. Yeah, been there. I was like that. That was that sucked. Was that the only time of, in your life you feel like you've experienced depression? Um. Yes, definitely. I mean, I've been like sad, but like actual physical depression. Absolutely. Like just dropping weight, like absolutely. Hmm. Um, and I it's interesting to me that <laughs> your coping mechanism was drinking and you're just you brushed it off like, oh, it's what else are you supposed to do in college? But it was also your yeah. mom's and your brothers. Yeah, and looking back on it now, it was not the best coping mechanism. Yeah. But like I did what I had to do to like survive of what I thought was helping me function mm-hmm. and I, I was also just like numbing the pain like at the mm-hmm. time I didn't know that's what I was doing but looking back on it now and you know now that I don't drink like it definitely that's definitely what it was and it was convenient right like I went to an all-women's college and like we would go out and like go to frat parties and like mm-hmm. all the guys loved us at the fraternities and like they would just give us free drinks and it was just there and it was convenient mm-hmm and Would you say that that was a form of denial for you? Um, I think it was denying my emotions. Hmm. Definitely just kind of, yeah, yeah. I would say a form of denial. Not denial in the sense that denying the loss, but just denying yeah. that, like, 
And I think there's a difference between denying the loss and denying that this happened. I was like, first my mom, now my grandma, like, just to now, like, that was the life I was living. Mm-hmm. And that I was just making bad choices. Like, yeah, I was, and then I just kind of denied that I was even, like, I kind of started to deny, like, my worthiness, too, in the sense mm-hmm. of, like, just, and I was also in denial that, this sounds probably, it's probably an unpopular opinion, but I wasn't denial that, like, alcohol was the problem. Like, I was, mm. you know, dealing with that with my mom, like, my grandma, and, like, I was in denial that I was making things worse, even mm. though I knew that I was. Mm. Yeah. What and I was like, I'm 21 now. I can go buy this at the store. Yeah, that's so true. It makes it so much more easier, the access. Yeah. Um, what brought you out? Out like that hard time? Mm-hmm. Antidepressants, thankfully. Um, I don't exactly remember when I got on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that summer was really transformative. I studied abroad. What's the crap? Did I study abroad? No, I studied abroad the summer before that. Sorry, I was trying to lose my train of thought timeline-wise. Um, but that summer, I was just really, like, took summer classes and, you know, uh, was feeling better about just life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was being more comfortable spending more time alone and feeling more confident in my decision-making abilities and... That's when I really started to, you know, practice those, put those helping coping mechanisms into practice. Just basically practice what I preached. Like I knew all along that what I was doing was not, you know, healthy mm-hmm. for my grief, but I didn't want, I just wanted to grieve. Like, I don't think I had ever really gotten that time. Yeah. Cause everything was just so fast and furious. Yeah. Do you, um, Oh, at any point, were you in therapy? Yes, I was. Um, So, yeah, I had my, like, my school counselor. Mm -hmm. Um, She was great. Um, And, you know, I never really had that therapist that had, like, lost a parent. Like, I had people in my life that I knew Mm -hmm. that I would kind of turn to as, like, a resource. Mm -hmm. And everybody was great for different reasons. But... And then I had this psychiatrist, I would just prescribe the medication and I wasn't on it for very long. I just needed it for school, to be honest. Like I just needed to focus. Mm -hmm. I was not trying to go to college any longer than four years. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) I was like, somebody just like, if I got to be on antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds, just to make sure I graduate on time, Lord willing. And I did. So. Yeah. And it got you out of the hard time is what you're saying. Yeah, once I threw myself that pity party for a few weeks and, like, was stubborn and refused to go on antidepressants, I was like, all right, Catherine, get up, pick up your feet, start walking. Like, I had used my given name in a third person. I had to have a come to Jesus meeting with myself because I was like, this is not the way you want to live forever because it is and it was not fun. Why do you call it a pity party? I was just pitiful. I was just like... I don't know why I use that term. I only literally only use it when I speak of myself. I don't use it when I like speak to anybody else. But when I say I threw myself a pity party, like I was literally just like wallowing in pity. Just saying like, why me? Like, and then, you know, there wasn't really like one turning point that really changed. But then I was like, I don't want to feel bad for myself because, you know, you realize, at least I realized that, I was constantly thinking about why I was sad. And that's because I had lost my mom and my grandma. And I was like, wait, if I like don't do this, then I'm not going to constantly be sad because the thought is not there, like in my frontal lobe, you know? What would it look like if you changed the word pity or pitiful to pain? You're wallowing oh, in pain. You were having a pain party. That definitely makes things different. Um, 
I think pitiful is kind of what I had in my head. It's kind of what society made me think it was pity. Um, but yeah, just in pain. Like we were, I was hurting. Like my heart was literally hurting. Like I think pain would be how it would be different. I think I would have been a little bit more patient with myself because I was really hard on myself Hmm. when things were bad. Like before I, you know, got on that that medication, before I really got help, Mm -hmm. I was not very kind to myself because I thought of it more of a choice rather than more of an emotion. Do you? So I'd say, yeah, I would have more grace. Do you think pain is a choice? No, I do not think that pain is a choice, right? We don't choose to break our leg. That causes us to feel pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are things in life that are choices. I think how we choose to react to our pain is a choice. Um, yeah. How we choose to treat the pain, um, that's a choice. But ultimately... You know, we can choose to be happy. We can choose to be sad. We can choose to wallow or, you know, choose to be happy. And the pain will come. Like, I still have painful days Mm. um, where it still hurts and, like, it stings. But, like, I still have really great days, too. And, like, it sounds cliche, but, like, I just choose to take my life one day at a time. And, you know, there's no one right or wrong way to grieve, which... Everybody probably knows, but, you know, they just might not tell themselves enough. Um, You know, there's really not. But I think that, you know, the best piece of advice that I could give grievers on how to grieve, essentially, is to just embrace all the emotions that come. Yeah. Like, however you're feeling, just feel them. Like, it's a crazy, crazy journey and a crazy ride. And... Mm -hmm. You know, it life's what you make it, and let's make it right. You know that Hannah Montana song, Life's what you make it, <laughs> so let's make it right. Something like that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, with pain comes power, and we have the power of our life in our hands. Mm-hmm. We have the power and the ability to just control how we react to any situation. And there's a lot of beauty in that. And Mm -hmm. I just, I love having that power in my life. I love having control over that. Like, obviously we can't control what happens, but we can choose how we react. Mm -hmm. And it's fun. Like, life is great. And if there's any person struggling with how to grieve or, you know, just struggling with grief or just feeling really stuck, just know that, like, you will be okay. Like, there are people that, you know, are walking through something similar. Mm -hmm. There are people that, you know, have a good life. Like, Mm -hmm. you'll get there. You'll get there. Whether it's through listening to this podcast, you know, whether it's through going to counseling, whether it's through hiring a grief coach, whether it's through years and years of just, you know, working on yourself. Mm -hmm. No matter how you get there, like, you will get there. And once you just, uh, once you reach that moment in your life where you're just happy, like, it's going to be the best feeling ever. And I just can't wait to celebrate that with you and with everyone Mm. else. And in spirit and yeah um if we haven't connected definitely connect with me um I love to keep the grief train going I love to build the grief community just it's just crazy the power of social media and how much you can connect with somebody you really truly never know what they're going through and it's just really really like I just can't believe that I've just been blessed with this community of people that I never thought I would have in my life. 
Um, so I am here for you to celebrate the small victories, the large victories, to just walk through life with you. Um, and to just share in your sorrows, here in the pain, all the daggone things, um, all in for all time. Um, thank you for having me. And my name is Kat. Um, you can find me on Instagram at datgirlcat, um, just like it sounds. Um, thank you, Tiffany. Absolutely. I, thank you. Have a good day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Have a good night. Night. So I want to get your opinion on this week's episode. Let me know what you think. My final thoughts are, are what I said at the beginning that, you know, I want to leave with self-compassion and I hope that you will too. I'm going to finish with a poem this week by Mary Oliver, just because I feel like it and why not? <laughs> this is Heavy by Mary Oliver. That time I thought I could not go any closer to grief without dying. I went closer and I did not die. Surely God had his hand in this. As well as friends, still, I was bent and my laughter, as the poet said, was nowhere to be found. Then said my friend Daniel, brave even among the irons, it's not the weight you carry, but how you carry it. Books, bricks, grief, it's all in the way you embrace it, balance it, carry it. When you cannot and would not put it down. So I went practicing. Have you noticed? Have you heard the laughter that comes now and again out of my startled mouth? How I linger to admire, admire, admire the things of the world that are kind and maybe also troubled. Roses in the wind, the sea geese on the steep waves, a love to which there is no reply. Original music by Kyle Porter and editing by Emmanuel Cerrate. Take care, y'all. <laughs>